Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the episode, the series. Uh, please do hit the subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews that I put out every single week. In fact, it's three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world at all the usual spots like iTunes. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, Houndmouth, going to be talking with Matt Myers and Shane Cody about their new album, Good For You. And in fact, we shot this, the, the video version that you can find on YouTube, we shot this at the very practice space and recording studio that they made the uh, new album, affectionately known as The Greenhouse. Now, the Southern Indiana, well, just just technically just right across the river from where I am here in Louisville, uh, but the Southern Indiana band takes us inside the characters that populate the songs, tells us about basing the lyrics in the Midwest with a Southern Gothic twist, uh, why they return to the Kentucky Derby in the title track, and how it ties in with the song Las Vegas and Matt's love of poker. Now, Matt and Shane are also going to discuss uh, their misspent youth, uh, how parenthood has changed the band, and co-writing the B-side Some Paradise from a, uh, a stranger's story as a writing assignment. So let's get into this. It's Kyle Meredith with Houndmouth. Kyle, good to see you again. It is good to see you. Yeah. Uh, it, you're back with a brand new record called Good For You. And uh, and as we as we see, uh, recorded right here, uh, back home again, which is... Uh, I mean, this sounds great. First off, I'll compliment the poetry on this record. Like, I don't know if you did a lyrics or if you split the lyrics or, or what, because you're both songwriters, but there's something different. This and it's a hard question to ask because I'm, that, I, that's what I'm getting to. Like, you've always been great lyricists, but there's something very poetic about this record. And I don't know if you could attribute that to anything specifically. I spent a lot of time alone up upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can attribute to anything different. Um, um, just reeling through th- some thoughts and, you know, and yeah. reading some stuff, reading some stories. I always like telling stories. Well, that's it. I mean, it's populated with characters again. And and, and we've talked about this. I mean, you, you like to write a lot of character-based songs. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm off. I feel like there wasn't as many on the last record, and, and this is the return. Like, we've talked about CD characters yeah. in the past. Like who? Who are the people on this album? Well, some of it, some of them are like people we've met, and some of them are um, kind of just made up characters to embellish a story or something. Uh, 
sometimes it's me in there. Mm-hmm. I I tend to like not write like about myself, so I like um kind of deflect uh my own feelings and 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 mask them. <laughs> yeah. So is there any autobiography with like I mean you you've sort of said that, but uh, as far as like at some point if you're writing a story, it seems to me like you would have to maybe uh, look into your own life and then what do you just cloud it up? Um, it's not necessarily like clouding it up. It's like, um, trying to, um, find, it's like trying to get out what's, what I, what I'm as cloudy inside, I guess. Yeah. It, it's kind of like therapeutic writing is very therapeutic. <laughs> if that makes any sense. What about from your side, Jane? I mean, all these songs, uh, you know, according to the credits are co-written. I mean, a couple of them are even just the two of you all. Like, what was it about this album for you when you came into it? Like, how did you want to approach it? I feel like I'm just here to help, you know? <laughs> like, uh, it's it's fun to go through these evolutions of these songs that he wrote and uh, just give my two cents every once in a while. And, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot more of you maybe slipped through in this album in a good way. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, I tend to write and then bring things to the table and then um it's a nice having a group of people that you trust and like everybody's on the same page and like i'm struggling with this part and and everybody kind of hones in and like helps out the geography is the other part of this i mean when you have the characters but there is so much geography every song takes me to a different spot like First off, what is the America that we're seeing, that we're hearing about on this record? Because there's a lot of America. It's it's home base is Midwest on this record. It's like, uh, but I feel like there's like a Southern Gothic, like Southern Gothic tendencies, mm-hmm. and the, like um, Midwest, everybody's like really nice, you know. Like it's the, everybody's just that's the label that the Midwest has, but. I feel like it's there's more of a darkness to it that nobody knows about. Um, like in the Midwest, nobody's clamoring, especially in this town. Like nobody's clamoring to a spot. There's not a set place. It's like really cool that everybody's going to. It's like you kind of have to search around for for things, and, it, and you have to like keep your eyes peeled. How important is it for wherever that song is happening? And again there's so many different spots you know around the country that these songs do took place in like how important is the spot and i'm thinking in a sense like when you listen to springsteen's born to run you know that that character has to be in new jersey like he says it but that character his life is like it is because he's in new jersey right like how important is that to the characters in these songs for you as to where you place them in the world yeah it's huge like places everything yeah it's yeah um like even like my favorite movies there's not there's really not a lot happening like there doesn't need to be explosions in movies you know <laughs> like it just needs a good story and like a place that the people can exist yeah. and show why these people are these this way of course one of those places uh you bring it back to Kentucky and the Derby well, yeah. It sounds like the Derby anyway. I mean, you're talking about the horses. It's not the first time. Uh, you had the song for no one, of course, that made the reference that everyone loves to quote when they're you know talking about great Houndmouth lyrics. What brought you back there this time? Um, it was this... Um, that song, Good For You, is kind of like about detachment, I guess, um, in, a, in a positive way. Like, um, 
it's like a picture. It's not like uh, the songs are like it's like writing like a picture. Right. And and I I don't know where it's gonna end up. And sometimes I'll write something I don't know like if it's I don't know what it's about necessarily while I'm writing it, and I kind of piece it together by the end. But it seems to me like good for you is about um, detaching from money and um, all the connotations that come from like where you're from and like. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, no, that's interesting what you're saying though, because because your songs do sound fully realized as a story. Um, you know, I was talking about Sam Shepard the other day. You know, Sam Shepard, the actor, also a playwright. The way he writes about people and about characters—that's mm. what I think of, uh, especially when I'm listening to what you all do, because there's that sense. So, so it's interesting that you start the journey before you even realize where the journey is going to take it, because by the end of it. Like it, that picture does look fully painted, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So, so what brings you back to the Derby a second time? Like, why do you think that's what? Other than you know, we're right across the river. What is it? What is it about the Derby that really brings you to want to write about that type of? Yeah, it's like a, it seems like it's always a monumental moment, like every year. Yeah. Like everybody comes to Kentucky for the Derby. Um, and it's just, it's always been like, I've been a few times, but it's always just been like a big part of my life, but also not really. Like, it's just, she's kind of there. All <laughs> eyes, fo- all eyes focus on Kentucky, like at Churchill Downs yeah. one day of the year. Well, it's, it's interesting the parallel then because, uh, you know, the, the lead radio single on this, uh, Las Vegas, you know, and, and what we're talking about is gambling, you know, it's like, yeah. like, again, uh, you know, whoever these people are in these songs, Money plays a big part of it in, in some way. How do we end up in Vegas? Um, uh, yeah, like just how, like the Derby is always spiking my interest. Like so, is, I've I've gambled my whole life too. Like there's a casino down the road. I still go. I still like play, play poker to like escape. I like love the conversation at poker tables because it ha- it's like it's not like any other aspect of my life. Nobody's talking about music. Nobody's talking about like anything. It's right. Just you're just there playing this game, and uh, and it just recently like revamped it too, so it's all like nice and new. Yeah, like you don't mind if you hit, fell down on the floor at this point because. <laughs> oh, God, <I> hope not. <laughs> like you'd have to bathe in bleach for a while. The last time I was at the boat, uh... <laughs> the, the boat, the boat is gone. The other point in Vegas, and and in the song Las Vegas, and I'm taking this from. Maybe it's a press sheet, maybe it's a review or something, the way they talked about it. But there was this idea, especially of Elvis and his arrival in the song of maybe a misspent youth or just a youth of the past or whatever it is. And I only say that in context of now here you all are grown ass adults <laughs> with families, you know, with, with kids and whole thing. And like how much of that makes its way into those little moments in the songs? Yeah, misspent youth. For sure, like it, you can't escape it, you know. Like you, you spend your youth, like being a degenerate, not like all the way, but you know. Yeah. Um, like you spend your youth gambling, doing like living that like like bar scenes, playing darts, all that stuff, and it's just like part of you. Yeah. And like that song, Vegas, like we wrote that in like twenty minutes. Like that one, just like sometimes things just like come out, just like inherent. Mm-hmm. 
how is the you know that's usually the obvious question for any musicians, especially when you, you get kids. Like, has that affected how you all approach your career at this point? Definitely, yeah. Like, uh, so like, I just had my kid right before the pandemic, and Matt had his as well. And like, so for me, it was like a lot harder to get down to work a lot, and uh, and so and I feel like Matt's got that all figured out on when he can schedule and come down and really put in the work and then I can come in and like try to record it or uh you know help write some it helps like, like solid having kids like helps solidify a role oh, yeah. you know I feel like in yeah. a schedule because I never had a schedule so it's like I like living on a schedule now yeah do they uh have they been to the shows have they have they seen you all work yeah, they don't care. No, of course yeah. they don't. No, they don't no, care. They don't care. No. But like, for yeah, for me, it's been great. Like having guitar around the house because writing is such a like it's a lonesome activity. But like now, if the kids run around, it's like I can just sit there and write, and it's almost like it rewires the way that I approach songwriting because it's more freeing now. There's just I'm doing it in front of people all the time. It's like bath time where I'm just and they don't care what I'm writing, you know. And it's great. It's nice to 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 strum a guitar in front of people and they don't give a shit about it. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're just in your element trying to figure some stuff out. You're, yeah, it just feels homey. I want to know exactly which song was written at bath time. <laughs> at almost every one. <laughs> like parts to every song has been written at bath time. <laughs> when I re-listen to this, I'm just going to have that in mind now when I go back and hear this. <laughs> uh, back on the road for one more spot too and just outside of Vegas because um, I don't actually know if the song is up, but but we've got UFOs, you've got vampires, and you've got werewolves, and they all make a spot on this record. And 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 it's just why? What's? I don't know. It's just like things bouncing around up there. Like yeah. you, I don't know. Like sometimes it's as simple as I like this word, I like this image. So like, how is that gonna come out? How is that gonna fit? And and all those characters have like a the connotations attached to them. So it's like you can use the characters to explain things without having to really explain it. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, what do you, what would you like? And the metaphysical ends up taking over and showing its play. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it for some fun adventures. I do want to hit, there was a, there was a song that came out uh, before the album was some paradise, mm -hmm. which I thought for a minute, maybe like, did you all consider that like doing a full recording of that? No, no. Like that uh, just no. lives as it was. Yeah, like, um, yeah, somebody had sent us a story, uh, like they had um, sent us a voice memo of them telling a story about how they met their fiance and went on a boat trip, and the we actually it was like an assignment for a like a podcast or something, and we had to write a song about about this voice memo that came through. So we all just sat and listened to it a couple times, picked out parts of the story that were attractive and then it's just assembled words in a way yeah. and and we had musical ideas so then they started lending them to that and and it came out with a good song i think and uh and then that was that we just sent it to the to the show for the podcast and released it and then didn't think about it <laughs> <laughs> uh, first off i loved it it took me a little while to figure out why it was so familiar, and it, there's a little melody in there of Simple Twist of Fate. That's right. Yeah. I don't know if they, like, was that just one of those coincidental, like, I mean, 
it's a great song, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or was that actually part of the plan? No, I remember like playing around with chords that I, I I've always liked that song. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've never been able to like escape that song. I love it so yeah. much. So yeah, I can totally see how that how that came out. Yeah. Um, make it to midnight on the record. Uh, mm-hmm. It feel like may I don't know if it comes from the same spot, but it kind of touches that just a little bit less. Yeah, it's that like high. Yeah, little, it's that little high. Bit which is just push. a thing. It's just a yeah, yeah. you know a thing, but right, it's right. one of those iconic things. You yeah. Know? Like I don't know. I was never really a songwriter, and and one of the reasons why is because I thought always thought I listened to way too much music. Like that's all I would do. It's like no, I can't do that. Can't do that. Totally. So like writing it, I, people would ask me like, "What were you listening to at the time?" Like nothing. Nothing. Because if I do, it can go bad. Yeah. 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 That's gonna be it. Uh, I was looking here. Um, someone brought up us uh, online. I just wanted to hit up fan stuff. Uh, mm, yeah. Southside and Sun in the Valley. Yeah. Where are these songs now? I don't know. What's the life know. of these songs? They're on the computer somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are the tracks you played live, I'm guessing? People uh-huh. like grabbed onto? Like any plans to record them? Um, yeah, I don't know. We Oh, we released like before pandemic or something or during we released a... Yeah, just a video, just a live Not video. Not even that. We released like a thing, like a live from the greenhouse on like Bandcamp oh, band or camp. something. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was on there, right? The, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. It was just like the one day thing that they do. We just do stuff for fun sometimes. <laughs> then, then forget about it altogether. It's yeah. like, what is that song? Yeah. People online, man. Yeah, they keep track of it. That's the thing. You can't just brush it off because they keep track of yeah, it. Yeah, and they know it. That's fine. Yeah. And they can, they're going to keep talking about it, and we'll probably never address it. <laughs> that checks. That checks. <laughs> uh, I love this record. I really do. Um, Thank you. I mean, you guys know I, I love what you guys do. I've always been a fan. But there is something that's really resonating with this one uh, with me. Uh, at least so you know thanks for doing what you all do and uh congrats thanks man thank you that does it we out hell yeah so you want to be a rock and roll star no well how about a podcast star well as it turns out there's a new all-in-one platform just for you it's called anchor and it's the easiest way to make a podcast and check this out it's free There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, No minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Now, as I mentioned at the uh, the beginning of this, we shot this whole interview inside of their practice space and recording studio called The Greenhouse. Uh, if you uh, look up the uh, this episode over on YouTube, you'll actually find an entire separate secondary interview uh, of them giving us a tour of the place as well and talking more about the record. So I would uh, I would recommend, if you're a Houndmouth fan, uh, seeking that up. Now, what you can get here that you can't get on the video versions are all of the past interviews I've done with Houndmouth. And I'm going to include as many of them as I could find, which I think is all but maybe one or two of them. We've talked a lot in the past. Uh, so the next stop, uh, part two here, takes us back to 2018 when we discussed the uh, the new sounds that made up their record, the Golden Age uh, changes in their lineup, growing up and having families and keeping some songs a mystery. This is part two of Kyle Meredith with Houndmouth. Houndmouth, it's been a few years now, and, and we get the first taste of the return of Houndmouth with a song called This Party. 
and all hell breaks loose on the internet. <laughs> now, now I, I've had the luxury of knowing you guys, uh, you know, outside of, of the industry for a little while now, so I sort of knew something was coming. Like, you've been teasing that things are going to be different this time around. It's been a few years since the last record, but you basically exploded your sound. Like, I, does that is was that on purpose? Did, does it feel like that's what happened? That you just said, okay, that was that. To hell this with is it. This. Yeah, yeah, to totally. hell with it. Like we, we, we. I think that was very intentional. Like it was just, uh, it was like a. Yeah, it wasn't intentional in the sense that we were like, oh, we gotta change our our stuff up, but but it was just like, oh, well, we just start writing things and then and, and that's then, how they went. So yeah. and that's the direction that we took everything else. Yeah, yeah. So and was... the kids with suspenders hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing, though. When you come, when you, when you guys, you, you arrived, and it was sort of when a certain genre was in vogue, in vogue, and and you know it was, I don't know what it was, the folk rock revolutionary, you well, know, yeah. the yeah. Mumford. Well, because and we were obsessed with the band for a really yeah. long time, right, right, and 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 we were young, and we were learning how to make music, and and using what we, you know, what we knew, what we grew up on. And then eventually we were just like, yeah, we've we've like we did that. We okay. like, heard heard yeah. The heard first it couple of records were heavily influenced by our influences growing up, mm-hmm. and then we kind of found out what we wanted to be like, how we wanted to be perceived. And this is the uh, this is the new album. Yeah, but that that's a hard thing for a lot of bands to break out of. I mean, one, a lot of times once you're kind of put in that box, most bands, a lot of bands at least, they don't feel safe, kind of journeying out of that. For and, real? And, <laughs> yeah. Well, well that's like, what's that like? But it's like a, like. It's not just like being like obsessed with music, but it's like being obsessed with like creative process or like how things work and how things are made. You know, it's like it's like uh, I always realized like okay, I wanted to play guitar when I was young, so I was like I'll play until I get you know good, and then and then I got obsessed with something else, and then now I I can play guitar and then use that to do something else. Right, right. So as far as I don't know. It sounds like you're just writing songs, and and luckily you arrived at this place, which I I do love. I've I've heard the full album now, and you know, it's almost carnivalesque in a few points, and you know, like this glam rock carnival uh, yeah. is sort of the sound of it. They they kind of filters through it, which is a lot of fun to listen to. But once you start seeing that the songs don't sound like the old songs, is there that point where you're going, "This is this is going to be really different"? Did that did that moment arrive? Uh, not really. I feel like I feel like the songs are. It's still kind of the same almost subject. It's the same kind of songwriting. It's just wacky as sounds. far as like structurally, yeah. you know. Yeah. As yeah. far as stru- like basic like structure, but that's what we played with. So we had like the basic structure, and then and then we got together with Rado and Sean Everett. So it was like now, how can we mess with the creation of mm-hmm. the songs and beats? And beats. There yeah. are lots of beats, and when you hear a lot of beats like that, you start to worry yeah. about the drummer. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it Shane. Was, I was definitely scared uh, when we busted out the Lindrum machine. Yeah, and uh, you know, at certain points, there's like a straight time and there's a half time, and I'm gonna have to figure like I figured it out live. And there was a very stressful moment between uh, when the album was kind of wrapped and when we had to start rehearsing it. There was like that little period of downtime <laughs> where we're like, ah, oh, this is gonna work. <laughs> was it much for Shane for you to adapt to to that? I mean, as you're talking about. Was it um, was that having to put yourself in a different spot to kind of figure out how this was going to work for you? I think so. I I was very adamant about I would never want to go to a click live. I never want to do that. I never want to play like triggered things. I want it all to guy. be real. Yeah, I'm a feel. I'm a halftime kind of guy. <laughs> so when I have to play straight time, it freaks me out. So yeah. it was a lot of practice. 
like relearning a lot of stuff and it was I had a blast. I was gonna say it's working a lot of fun. It like it's to relearn things, not to relearn, but to learn things, to learn how things, how can I say to this? learn how things is, <laughs> to, to learn how things is and how they be is great. People don't people don't think it be like it is, but um, it do. Well, well, Zach, I mean, uh, there, there's also the whole thing about how you know the, the bass and and the drums always kind of interact, and when you're sort of playing with a machine in a way. Like, how does that change that dynamic of just the feel, as you're talking about? Yeah, D- does it alter it? I think we're, we, Zach and I have always been pretty locked in. Yeah. And, I mean, as we can be. As we can. <laughs> At least we think we are. I think it brought are. a very, like, Paul McCartney vibe to it, where like, the bass could actually be, like, a, I don't want to say focal point, for for lack of a better word, but, yeah. like, another, another thing that you actually hear as opposed to just backing up the kick mm-hmm. drum and, and all the hits. I think mm-hmm. it could be, yeah. like, a, a His, cool melodic. Funny point. you said that. He McCartney always recorded bass last, from what I heard. And uh, when we finished the song "Golden Age," we realized we didn't have a bass on it, and we were mixing it. <laughs> and we we're like, "Oh man, we need." And and the song was complete, so you need like a pocket bass player. So uh, Sean uh, sent the track to Pino Palladino. He was in like South America. Yeah, and he ended up playing bass on it. I mean, one of the greatest bass players of our time. Of our time, Pino and, Palladino. Yeah, yeah, and it was the very, very last thing put on the song. Wow. So I, getting back to the learning of the songs, that was my bass line that I had to learn. Yeah. Was just, <laughs> we were all like, Holly, good luck, Palladino. <laughs> it's like, well, it's not going to be exact. Yeah. Just, um... And with all respect to, to Pino Palladino, what we're actually <laughs> saying here in a, in a long stretch way is you had to learn the parts from the guy who replaced John Entwistle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which in itself is just a complete mountain. You know, that's, Are there any other guests uh, while we're on that subject on the record besides Pino? Uh, yeah, so, well, Rado produced it, and Rado played a lot on it. And, uh, oh, so we were at this, uh, we were at Sonic Ranch in El Paso, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a band playing next door, and we went over and we're like, yeah, we got, we got an idea. We want to bring everybody over individually and play along to a click track for like seven minutes. And here's the key to the song, but they hadn't heard the song, and they just noodled for seven. And all these guys kept coming over and doing it. Yeah, one and at then, a time. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then so we had like twenty, thirty something tracks, and Sean and Rado played the tracks while we just recorded the song over it. Uh-huh. And they would just bring in random moments. At, at how do you time. how do you fill out the credits to something like that? Uh, that yeah, we're, well, we that, kinda, we're we're just, that. They seemed very happy to just do it. Just do they it. We're doing, I think, just kind of a uh, pretty down, slow Nashville country record. So they kind of wanted very, to get weird. Cool so vibes. I think they were just super happy to come. Seven over. minutes just go crazy, like, right. with, with yeah. just nothing but yeah. the, with the your sitar. Key. <laughs> 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 I mean, there's a lot of interesting sounds all the way through it, and and like I said, you sort of we all got that right from the beginning. So this party comes out, and as we've alluded to, <laughs> it's a different sound for the fans. And there's this whole thing. You guys do a video. Sort of poking fun at the whole. Whose idea was that? Uh, Matt Folks. He's from Louisville. He's awesome. He's an awesome video maker. And he, uh, one day we just like, like, first day of the responses, mm-hmm. it, we were all like, oh man, uh, people really hate this. And I mean, then, did you anticipate <laughs> that a little bit? Uh, a little bit, yeah. And then yeah. when it happened, we're like, oh, this is cool. And, and then we were like, oh, but it kind of hurts my feelings. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we were like laughing, but deep down we were just so sad. Well, because yeah. we don't focus <laughs> on the positive comments. It's easy. Like it's, it's Nobody does. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a lot of fun to go through and read the negative comments and just kind of have a laugh amongst ourselves. But yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, so Matt Folks just sent us this video that he had made, and we like, it was just spot on. Yeah. He nailed it. And, uh, and all those people now get a featured spot, you know, right in the spotlight of the, uh, <laughs> right. of the single. <laughs> Promote the haters. Yeah. 
you all have have always had a really good way of writing about the seedier characters in life. I think we've talked about that in previous interviews on the albums. A lot of the characters that are in How Mouth Songs are from the seedy side of uh, of the character track. Are those still alive on this record? Do we uh, hear from those? And if they are... I think so. I think it's more like a broad, broader perspective of... You always hear about, like, like when you write something... All right, so, like, if you're writing folk music or something, like, back in the day, people wrote about trains because trains were the jam, right? <laughs> right. And now it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. So, it's like, they're just things to, like, talk about and write about. And, unfortunately... All of the olden time things are connected to this, like folk music, mm-hmm. and then, they're, but there's so there's just this is this is now, and there's so, so the characters like, there's are, things to talk about. The characters are still seedy, yes, but it's like a uh, stealing your cryptocurrency kind of thing, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. as opposed to a train robbery kind of thing. Modernized. Let yeah, me just but... bring up the uh, the title of that uh, that closing track with World Leader. I mean, are we talking about the seediest character <laughs> here? Is, is is that what we're getting at? I don't know, man. That was just like a. I think that was like a breakup song. So it was like a, a couple of my friends were going through a breakup, and I wanted to write about it, but I had this hook, <laughs> World Leader. I was like, I don't want to lose that hook. <laughs> But to drop a title like that, by the way, in 2018, you're just setting yourself up for this question. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, But then it's fun to, you know. It can be a personal world. It doesn't have to be the actual world. It can be your bubble, if you will. That's just how I interpret it. I mean, Matt wrote that. That's (laughs) That's how I interpret it. That's a really good answer. How you interpret it. That is very personalized. So, yeah. Everybody should have their own spin on things. If you, there's a song that's about something, doesn't freaking matter because everybody has to put their own spin on thing at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what makes us human in yeah. a world of robots that are trying to collect all of our information and analytics and data. You know, <laughs> they're trying to make us one, but we're all actually separate. It sort of went in a darker and a lighter spot at the same time. Exactly, it did. Uh, this is not a question, by the way. I really love the song "Golden Age." Uh, you mentioned it earlier, uh, especially coming after that. Uh, opening track, which is, I don't know, it's it's kind of like an intro track to the whole thing is oh, what, yeah, it, what yeah. it feels like and everything, and then just mm-hmm. launching into that. Mm-hmm. That's a really awesome moment. Cool. cool. Sets, that's not a question. That's cool. That's a statement. That yeah. is, we'll talk you, about Kyle. that. Yeah, that'll be edited out. Thanks, Kyle. It's going to be like, Kyle, like, I hate all the songs. He, he <laughs> ruined his, my day. He hit his mute button. I know. <laughs> I saw his cough button. Oh. <laughs> that was like the first song written. It was... Uh, I, it started as like a country song, like a like a stonesy country song. Mm-hmm. Then I just put I, straight time over it and went into it. But I, I, I like the idea of writing about characters a lot. And there's a lot of characters, me- metaphorical characters. Of course, I'm not going to tell you anything what it's about because it's not it's not my because uh, that's idea. what we just talked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. Well, it's worth asking though because uh, you know there are parents in the band now. Yeah. Do yeah. you find that that's making its way into the music? Because for a lot of artists, that's sort of inescapable. You know, uh-huh. whether you're writing directly the song to your child, which can be horrible and sometimes great. <laughs> Unknown yeah. Mortal Orchestra right now has a song called Honeybee, and it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and that's about his kid and everything. Like Most of them are sort of bad yeah. uh, throughout history I mean, or, or you, cheesy. You wouldn't believe the amount of bad songs I've written about my, like, to my daughter. Just like a strum and a guitar while she's sitting yeah, there like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah just, I think it's, that's necessary. Yeah, yeah. But none, do you know if any of that's made its way into the record? Um, in a roundabout way, yeah. But but I think the approach for this record was more of a, a whole, like like a more of a vast outlook on everybody, mm-hmm. instead of just like. Of course, it's all going to be personalized to some degree, but it's mostly like a just a like of a human collective 
uh, concept. Yeah. Yeah. How important was stepping away then? Because there was lots of family time. We are now, you played shows, I know, intermittently, you know, especially once you got off tour. But, but there, uh, what I would say is um, for, the, um, for the trajectory that the band was on, the, the success that, you know, was being handed to you, uh, as everyone yelled the word pink in the crowd at the same time, <laughs> you know, uh, it, to step away for as I long as... I laugh, but that'll never get old. Like, that's, that's so, like, uh, exciting. And so. they do it at the wrong oh, points. Yeah. They do it too early every time. <laughs> every time. Just, I love it every time. Yeah. It's, it's like, no, nah, you're too soon. But, but, you know, to have all that going on and then to take a little bit more time than usual... Uh, th- to me, that would feel a little bit nerve-wracking. Was it important to step away? Did Did you know it was going to take this long between records? I didn't no. think it was going to take this long, but I'm super glad that it did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To really get out of our comfort zone, and then that kind of turned into a comfort zone. Right. And, I mean, you can easily get cabin fever, but we would have these breaks during sessions and you know, go home for a while or go to El Paso and then back to Los Angeles and or play a show. I think we had a couple fly dates in between sessions, but yeah, it was weird. It was it was a really cool way to figure out this new sound and who we are now as a three piece. And I I wouldn't change anything about it. I love the way it happened. Well, thanks for making the seg there about the three piece because uh, they definitely want to ask about that. I mean, that's that was also a big thing for the fans, a big sort of shock out there that. Uh, you know, the four-piece that started, talking about Katie Tupin, mm-hmm. not in the band anymore. And, you know, and for all the reasons that people leave bands, uh, what was that like to go through as everything is also happening to you guys in, in a positive sense? Well, I think it was great to make two records that were well-received with Katie. And But what happened was when she left, we had to find a creative process for... Uh, include like with just the three of us, mm-hmm. Sans one, and it became um, much more like individualistic and and then we even we so we then we branched out with Rado and Everett. So it's pretty much just a, a finding a new process. Yeah, and and that and then that in itself became a journey. Like yeah, I would like I would love to keep a whole new finding band. new things. Because at this point, what on stage you're seven piece, eight piece, seven, seven right yeah. Now. yeah. I mean that's it, it. It must feel like a completely new band. Oh, Definitely. totally! And it's it's so much fun playing these new these new songs and kind of making the old ones a little a little different. So we're not you know playing the same thing. Keep keeps us entertained. Yeah, and we got great guys out of Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Drew Miller and Graham Gardner and uh, Aaron, Aaron Craker, Caleb Hickman. Caleb Hickman out of St. Louis, Bloomington boy now, so we got another Hoosier in the band. So what we did was uh, we had a, uh, so the two guys, uh, Graham and Drew were playing sax, and after the record it was like, there wasn't too much sax on the record, so they kind of had to switch up, so they started playing like synth and like drum pads and stuff. Yeah. So it was cool, seamless seamless switch. That's yeah. cool. I mean, I've only been able to catch uh, the stuff online so far uh, with, with the new lineup, but uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and, I mean, it does say a lot for a band because that can shake up anybody, you know, to, to go through a, any kind of member change, especially when you're right in the middle of promoting a record uh, in such a way, although I think it was sort of towards the end of the, uh, the actual promotion cycle. Mm-hmm. But to kind of, you know, be able to pick it up right away and say, all right, let's do this. Like, <laughs> that's, that's completely commendable. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm always such a big fan. I'm, I'm really glad we did this. And uh, and for the record and everything else, congratulations, guys. It's nice to have Houndmouth back. Heck yeah. Thanks. 
It's good yeah. to be back. The new studio looks phenomenal. Thanks. You I did this my, with my own two hands. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you should see the calluses the Cal Mary <laughs> I put on the Ben Harper song, my own two hands, and I did it. <laughs> That's all uh, I did. I just put on the song. What a That's montage. what I did. Happened. What a montage. It happened. Just name drop everyone. This is <laughs> great. <laughs> Our next stop goes back to 2016 when I was talking with the band about their uh, hugely successful year behind their hit single, Sedona, their transformation through fashion, and making their own signature cocktail, part three of Kyle Meredith with Houndmouth. Kyle Meredith and, uh, you know, these, this, this group right here of Houndmouth. Hi, guys. How's hey. it going? Kyle. Welcome to 2016. Now that we're like three months into it and stuff. I said, I'm caught up with you guys. You guys had a really big last year, though. I mean, 2015, like, I don't know how we measure success these days, but I would say that you guys had like a successful year. We had a mildly successful year. Mildly fun year, yeah. yeah. Like, you moved from like D level artist to C plus level artist, right? Totally. Yeah. Passing. We're passing. Totally. <laughs> It's very gracious of you. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'm here for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Don't boost our ego too much, you know? Uh, I'm so proud of, uh, of everything you guys have done so far because, seriously, uh, when I look back at that, and I got to see some really great Houndmouth shows last year, and you're in the crowd, I don't know, Sedona comes on and a song like that, and the whole place, you know, 500 miles away from where we are right now, singing along every word. I mean, those are magical moments. And I know they got to be magical moments for you because they're magical moments for me, and I didn't write the song. Like, I had nothing to do with it. Was there a point when you guys saw that happening? Like, did you, do you remember when it all started coming together like that and, like, the people are picking up on this in places that you didn't expect? Yeah, I think when people started screaming the so bright and pink part. Yeah. And we didn't have to scream that anymore. That was good, I think, for our throats. And <laughs> yeah, it was really helpful. <laughs> Thank throats, you for yeah. that. See, that seems like a part of a song that I would have imagined that you wrote specifically for that. Well, now we're trying. Now you do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the part you're like, like, I heard a, a story about the Lumineers and their song, Ho Hey. Like, they wrote that so the crowd would be doing that the whole time. We like, just yelled that, like, randomly. They were just that was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The so bright and pink thing is a little awkward when you're playing to 20 people and you're screaming at them directly in their face. <laughs> so bright and pink. It's a little different. Yeah, it's a- uh, it's great how it came together. Uh, the, you know, because when you started out, you did. You came up in this whole thing where just by complete chance, all these bands were doing this rootsy sound, and and, and some bands got put in the folk category and some bands got put in whatever the southern rock category, and you guys were kind of put in a box at that point and. I don't. Did you struggle to get out of that? Are you still struggling to get out of that? I think luckily we got we got recognition because you know we're from Louisville and it's a music scene that you know people will listen if you're a new band and I think that that's really cool part about being from Louisville and being from the South and not being in an oversaturated market of music. Um, but I kind I don't think I really answered the question entirely. No, that, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because, we, got, yeah. we got put in a but box. But then we got put in that box. Once <laughs> the, we once right. we got in the box, it was you know, the f- an effort to to get out of it and show that we were different. Didn't even know that box existed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know what you were until someone else told you that's yeah. what you were. The folk box. The folk box. The folk revival box. So little neon limelight comes out and it doesn't sound like the first album from the hills, but I mean there's right. still there's still those houndmouth sounds to it, Rootsy. Yeah. So what I saw you guys do is this transformation on stage instead. And and I don't know if I read it right, but like I saw that as your guys' way to step out beyond that because suddenly I see a glam band on stage. Mm. You don't realize how much influence just visually 
a, a band can can change perspective. And it will. It, it took it far because yeah. it was a wholly a wholly different thing at that point. Right. It's like we were still playing the same stuff, but we had bell bottoms on and like sequins and yeah. glitter and. Shit. And and again, I would ask, did you do that on purpose? Was that like contrived? Was that part of it to say? Yeah, I mean, it was like we we went out and had to build like a. I mean, it wasn't like a total contrived thing. Like we're gonna trick everybody mm-hmm. or like let's do something different yeah. but still play the same music and see how it comes across and it was like totally different direction started getting like pop hits you know <laughs> <laughs> that's what it wasn't the songwriting that led to uh, yeah, a hit totally. and everything it was just that you were some sequence right yeah. uh, <laughs> that's it. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't think that's how it goes at all. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> but that's it. I didn't it know the secret Kyle. to it this whole time. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm noticing all the drinks here, and you guys set this down for me before I got here, which was nice of you because you made me a drink. And I should bring this up. You have your own cocktail now. I guess you're just wearing this proudly on your sleeve, but you've got, what is this? What am I drinking? This is the Hound Mouth. That's original. Thank you. <laughs> That's obvious. We all went to a room for 28 hours, and this exact when we came out with this, the Hound Mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> well done. We put it into a band name generator. So how did you guys yeah. come up with it? How did, how did you end up with your own cocktail? Because I guess this is actually going to be at your shows too, right? Yeah, it's going to be uh, there are a lot of our shows on this upcoming spring tour. Uh, we, we've always had, we started working with Bullet Bourbon, mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny because we've always drank Bullet. Like, it's always been on a rider yeah. before, and all of a sudden, we just kind of met up with them, and we kind of worked together on this, so we're going to try to put it out at the shows and see how it goes. It wasn't just on a rider, but it was, like, my life staple. That, that was it? <laughs> yeah, so Bullet yeah. was the life staple? Seriously. <laughs> the faucet comes on, a bullet comes out. Exactly. It's kind of fun that it works out, because it doesn't always work out like that, you know? Yeah. Like, especially, you can put it on the rider, and you'll get anything else there. Yeah. <laughs> You got to work yeah. with who you take, but so you guys have done. So now you do it. Like it's it's an actual thing that you guys are together and and they're helping you make this cocktail. I mean, what what goes into this? Um, we'll do a cocktail quarterly. Quarterly. Yes. Yeah. Four four cocktails a year. <laughs> and that's all that we will be drinking. That's all for a year. <laughs> Each. I don't believe you. I don't believe. How does how's this make? Anybody tell me? Do you guys who made this? Do you guys know how this made? Yeah, it's got a. Two ounces of bullet, an ounce of orange liqueur. Preferably Cointreau. Preferably. <laughs> Preferably. And then it's yeah. got um, half and half tea and lemonade. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's kind of got the Arnold Palmer thing going on. It right. does, yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, it's very, very easy to drink, too. It's very easy to drink. Yeah. <laughs> so I can attest that's, why, that's why I like to put it on a table every time. I, I take a drink and put it on the table because yeah. if I keep it here, it's just like, oh, it's, this is so this is refreshing. Yeah. yeah. I see uh, more artists doing this. Like, yeah, I think I think Wilco's got they've got like a beer or something like that. St. Vincent's got her own coffee uh, at oh, this really? point. I mean, it's a cool thing for a band to do because this is I don't know. It's not like you have to do this, but this is just like the cool things that come along with success of any level, right? And you'd like to ch- like want to choose like partner with Bullet was awesome mm-hmm. because yeah. that like we couldn't have handpicked like that's a, that's what we love. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and and it's like yeah, bands don't have to do this. Companies don't have to do this, but sometimes it just works out. Yeah, what a cool partnership! And I know, I know, drinking's kind of a part of being a touring musician. I mean, I feel like that's where we, right? I feel like that's where we, you know, all the cool things happen late at night after a few of your signature cocktails yeah. have happened. Like that's <laughs> that's when that's when it turns from 
green room dullness from show to show to actually rock and roll life. Like that's that's what I like to imagine anyway. And don't you dare paint a different picture. <laughs> okay, well, we'll that leave you exactly at that. But it's, uh, it's what uh, happens. Yeah, but you guys have been on the road forever, like ever. I think. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. the band really started. I mean, what is it? Is it four or five years? Four, at this point? four, four years. years. Yeah. Two hundred dates a year, yeah. ish. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. something around there. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's crazy. Do you guys handle it well? Do you guys handle tour life well? We do. We've been pacing it lately, as of late, the, as of the last record. We started yeah. having to pace things, pace, pace things. ourselves. Yeah. Because it's easy yeah. to go out and get caught up, like you said, and just be like, oh, look, I get free booze. Let's go out and get hammered. But you really have to. If yeah. you want to maintain that lifestyle, you have to be somewhat responsible with it. You know what I mean? It's really tough to. But I'm glad. I'm guessing like there has been things that's at least led to something cool happening out there. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Like, like what comes to your mind if you look back and you say, "That's tour life in 2015." Like, what happens? Um. All right. We were <laughs> we were in Canada with the Alabama Shakes, and uh, it was a fake birthday for somebody in one of the bands we won't say but uh it was right next to this outdoor water park in toronto i believe and it was was it toronto yeah and it was shut down and it was after the show and we all just kind of snuck back into this water park through an opening in the fence somebody had a skateboard (laughs) and it was dark steve had a skateboard and it was dark and we didn't know how broken down this water park was so we we just did anyway went up to these big slides and we didn't actually skateboard down because okay because that's what i was waiting so we kind of like half half half-ass luged it you uh know one of these yeah we definitely luged as far as we could luge yeah (laughs) there were leaves there were leaves and stuff it was i mean there could have been a hole and we all were like marching down everyone just could have been been. i don't even know if it was like a functional water no it was it was like abandoned i think you know it was shut down we were in a pack of like 12 people which probably wasn't the smartest idea rolling deep either i mean there are ways they're really this is going to sound horrible they're really great stories of how artists have died That would not have been one of them. We all died collectively. I mean, that would be kind of legendary if you guys, if you need an exit strategy, maybe you've already been there. Maybe right. you've already done it. You talk about kind of like like pacing yourself and, and, and figuring out how to do this, though. I, both of you all. I mean, there are babies that mm-hmm. are a yeah. part of life at this point. Like, that changes everything, right? Yeah. Families. Uh, so it's like, yeah, you get good... You get good at being on the road, and then you come home, and then you gotta adjust and get good at being at home, and then you just find this perfect balance, and you have to be good at home while you're on the road now. Yeah. And then you gotta be good at your job being assertive while you're at home. It's like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be good. You gotta be, be good, good all around. Well, <laughs> well-rounded individual. Yeah. Yeah. And Katie, you you opened a store too this whole time. Yeah. And we talk about a lot here, Bermuda Highway, which is this cool. <laughs> mashing of ideas right right yeah it's sort of a fashion meets music store um we sell like we sell clothes and men's clothes women's clothes and vintage gear and records and uh yeah i mean that seems like a really natural thing for you but this is like i mean having to manage something while you're gone has that been difficult yes i bet it has (laughs) (laughs) yeah it has but it's uh it's going well yeah yeah i can't wait it's hard but yeah. yeah, it's kind of a a passion. So, store, baby, baby, Shane. Yes. Yeah. What are you up to, dude? I oversee everything. Yeah. I just make sure everybody's doing okay. 
I guess every band needs one of those. And it keeps us informed of what's going on on Reddit. There it is. <laughs> yeah. he, he's our personal interneter. <laughs> Keep him hip to what's hip. God, I love you. Hey. Uh, well, thank you guys so much for stopping by, and thanks for the booze. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait for the next record and the tours. There's more tours, right? I mean, you guys are, are you still spending most of this year out again? <clears throat> Leaving March 4th. Mm hmm. And then. Gone on a long time. Leave again in leave, leave, leave a little break, leave again in April. Jeez. Yep. That's crazy. All right. Houndmouth, thanks so much. I love thanks, you guys. Love All right. You. We'll see you. Yeah. <laughs> ah. That's it. Hi, of the fives. Hi. Hi. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. As the interview train keeps rolling here, now we're back in 2015 talking with Houndmouth about their 2015 uh, album Little Neon Limelight, distancing themselves from the folk scene, dynamics of writing, new relationships, and Otis Redding, part four of Kyle Meredith with Houndmouth. Hi, guys. Hey. It's nice to have you back. It's a new record, Little Neon Limelight, (laughs) (laughs) which uh, probably isn't enunciated as much as... uh, as, as we're doing here. As it here. should be. As it should yeah, be. Yeah. Uh, the second record, congratulations. You've Thank done you. A, you've done a fine job not uh, drifting off into obscurity after, yeah. the, after the first one. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. Uh, no, so, so this is great, but, but it's got to be something because you always hear of the, uh, the sophomore slump, the sophomore curse. That ever play in your heads as you're doing this? Like, okay, we've presented ourselves. Like, I remember hearing the story when uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash they released the record first, and everybody's like, oh, but the, can they do it live? And they really had to prove themselves. And it's kind of backwards for you guys, but, but here it is. You've proven yourself. Yeah, I think we didn't, we didn't think about it. That's like, good. Yeah, because we'd heard about it, but yeah. we, we didn't want to think about that. Yeah. That kind of stress would just cause us to go apeshit. <laughs> 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 so what do you go in? Because the, these songs, have they been around for a, a while at this point? Yeah. Um, a little bit. When, like the first album, we'd, we... Uh, is like personal experience and like people we've met on the road because yeah. we've always liked the darker side of America, you know, like those weird characters. Right. But this was characters we've met and personal experience. And how dark were the characters that you met versus the ones you uh, made up and imagined? Um, well, we romanticized still a little bit, but uh, like my cousin Greg, for instance, uh-huh. isn't, you know, a complete. <laughs> I can't say that word. <laughs> Wait, complete? <laughs> I thought you did really well, actually. Yeah, yes. uh, All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to get He's at. He's not so. a complete asshole. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. I can't say yeah, that. Yeah, no. But he can be. So, so with you guys writing then, uh, I mean, I, I have heard this is a, a more personal record, but, but when you're looking at this, so you, what you're saying is you're taking it from the people you've met and you're kind of fictionalizing it as you go along? Do these people know that? Probably now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, what I'm asking is, is there actually anyone real on the record that you had to, like, reach out to and say, I wrote you into a song? Um, uh, we wrote a song about my cousin Greg, uh, and he... you actually have a cousin Greg? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's yeah. a physicist, and it's kind of like he, he would always say, we used to play music with him, he'd always say, you guys are doing great, you're touring, this is, uh, this is what I've always wanted to do. Meanwhile, he's he got his master's in physics and is going to be a physicist out in L.A. And to me, that's a pretty awesome thing to do. So yeah. we did a song about like the juxtaposition of living the, a good life 
in like a, a straight life mm -hmm. and as opposed to the glitz and glamour of right. being on the road. Right. Yeah. How did the rest of that song come about? Because everybody sings in that song, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of, we just threw some lines together about Greg that we thought, we thought were funny. Yeah. That's the romanticizing part about it. Because yeah. he's a great person, and it, not so much in the song. <laughs> not so much in the song. <laughs> Poor cousin Greg. So when that happens for you guys, because you know, you're in a band where you have uh, essentially four vocalists, like everybody can sing, and is that the only song on the record, though, where you kind of do everybody's in? Yeah, I think we just we really wanted a song where we all sing on, on the same track, yeah. and that one was kind of silly and lent itself to, to us doing that. Yeah. yeah, I'd never seen a show where like the focal points would change during. Usually, you just have a singer, mm -hmm. and it's kind of you're kind of honed in on one person the whole time. But I think we have uh, it's kind of beneficial to have multiple singers and songwriters because right. the the show can kind of move around a little bit. Yeah. Now, as far as the the writing, how's the uh, dynamics changed? Uh, from like, so you first get together and it's a ragtag bunch you put together. Half of you don't actually play the instruments that you're, you know, playing at the beginning, and you've got to learn to write. How's the writing now changed that you've had plenty of time on the road? I, I mean, the first record we it was pretty much written before we became a band, and then we kind of put all the songs together on a record, and it sort of made sense and worked together. Um, but this record kind of feels more like a first record for us I feel like because we we wrote you know all these songs in the last year year and a half two years um, and we care about them a lot yeah and they're and they're you know there are a lot of songs on the record that aren't you know about characters they are personal songs mm. um, and that was kind of lacking I think from the first record because uh, there's a lot that's happened in, in the meantime I mean relationships have been made marriages have happened mm -hmm. yeah we've been through a lot I think <laughs> yeah and how do you do that? How do you do that? Because you're a mid-level band, you know, trying to survive like a bunch of other mid-level bands. Right. How do you, how have you figured out to carry on a personal life when you're touring nine, ten months out of the year? Well, it's different for all of us, I think. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah. figuring it out. I just have to be invested when I'm home. Yeah. 100%. I can't like, it's hard to even justify going out to shows and leaving. You're significantly behind right. because then it's like, oh, I, I know I'm going to be gone for nine months, but just trust me, I don't want to miss this show. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just stay out of the whole relationship. <laughs> <laughs> don't that's even mess my, with it. That's my yes. plan. What did it ever come apart where there was like burnout? Oh yeah. Like, what was it at that point? Like, why are we doing this? Oh God, I just want to go back home. Yeah, like the 8 a.m. lobby call, especially. I had to stop drinking for a while on the road. Just you poor, poor. 8 a.m. <laughs> lobby call. Couldn't drink on the job anymore, man. I can't be around you guys unless I'm drunk, honestly. Yeah, it's, uh, really, though, like, shows were getting sloppy because we play the same, the, for the, we toured for the first record for like mm -hmm. a year and a half. So it's like shows are, it's just kind of getting repetitive. So you're drinking and kind of pushing your boundaries. And then right. 8 a.m. comes around every morning for an eight hour van ride. And it's just not sustainable. Yeah. yeah. There's no such thing as good sleep in <laughs> No. <laughs> one of these days you'll have to graduate to the bus. One of these days. The bus. The bus. Yeah, right. It's this one. It's this one. And Sedona is doing great. I know you've got, actually got a, kind of a bona fide hit on your hands, uh, which is, which is kind of nice. Do you hear those when, you, when you're writing them? Do you go, that's going to happen. It's, it's going to work. Mm. So, Sedona, we were playing... Um, in green rooms a lot. Matt was on an acoustic guitar, and we, and every time we played, I thought it was just super catchy and yeah. fun. It turned out way different than, than, yeah. than the way it was sounding before. But I liked it, you know. 
Did you do any? Uh, I, I think that that's. I mean, we're not trying to write hit songs. I mean, we were just writing songs that we like. Right. You know. And, and I, I guess that's how you have to do it. I mean, you yeah. hear the bands that go in there and workshop to death. Right. That's ridiculous. It's, so it's like it's diluted. not. Yeah. It seems like everything got really formulated after a while. Like right. every, this is the formula how you write a hit, and you go in and it's like <clears throat> trying to think about that. Just like, <laughs> yeah. just like how we try not to think about the sophomore pressure, right, right, yeah. pressure album. We yeah. we actually recorded this record. I mean, it was like a week and a half, and it was completely live. We didn't have headphones. We didn't have click tracks. Wow. Yeah, and having we did the record with Dave Cobb, which is mm -hmm. yeah. really nice. Now, why'd you guys decide to do that? Because you headed outside of uh, Louisville <clears throat> this time. Yeah. Um, well, Zach and I called him one day, and uh, we said, "Hey, would you like to do the record?" And he goes, yes, but I don't want to make another fucking Americana album. <laughs> and I go, good, because we don't either. And uh, we put our hats on and got weird, as yeah. you would say. Yeah. Yeah, and it was great having a fifth person in there to see everything from an outside perspective. Because the Americana thing, though, I mean, that's, that's, that's a real hurdle to get over. Right. Because it's not like you guys set out to be part of a scene. It, was, it looks like it was just coincidence and timing. Yeah, yeah. We like rock and roll music, and we, we like American, you know, the American storytelling yeah. and soul music. We like everything. Did, did, did that really rub you wrong as everyone says, oh, here's Houndmouth, and here's the Wild Feathers, and here's yeah, yeah, the, exactly. you know, Lumineers. Well, well, and and, I, and th those bands are amazing, but it, it does, it has developed into kind of a scene. Um, but it's like, I mean, on Sedona, I, we, I, we found some laser sounds, and we put them in. So yeah. th there's no laser sounds on Americana <laughs> albums. It's really just Shane think, going, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> There are lasers now on, on country music albums, by the way, just not in Americana. The, the, so. whole, the whole hip hop country thing is really blowing my it's mind. A thing. I don't understand how Eric, it's. Eric Church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like mainstream country is just pop. It's just pop music yeah. now. It's getting weird, right? Because it's the same writers. You're talking about workshopping right, things. Right, yeah. You know, you have the same writers down, you know, under the uh, fluorescent lights in a room going, okay, this one's for Taylor. And, yeah, and this yeah. one's for you know, country star X. I don't yeah. know. Nobody, nobody sings like that. You could, nobody naturally sings. Well, I <laughs> nobody. You no. do just now. Stur Sturgill Simpson does. Sturgill yeah, Simpson's it. crushing. Sturgill Simpson, you can't understand when he's singing, and that's what makes it great. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> There's another song on the record I wanted to ask about with uh, with Otis. Otis, you sing Otis. Yeah. Uh, is that Otis Redding? Is that a, is that a tribute? Yeah. Well, yeah. It was like a love song to Otis Redding. A, a love song to Otis Redding. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, the lyrics. Yeah, it's just a love song. Otis is probably one of my favorite singers, and uh, I just thought it would be interesting um, to sort of pretend like you were sleeping. He was with him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's pretty good. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's pretty good in there. You know. <laughs> I dabble in dead. <laughs> I dabble in cadavers. This is not funny. This is dabble in cadavers. It's a great song. That's, yeah, yeah, uh, it is a great song. That's what I figured. It had to be about him a little bit, but you yeah. never actually say his whole name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think that I would get in trouble if I did. We weren't allowed to name the song Otis Redding. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm probably going to get in trouble for just talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the weekly so, feed. No one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I thought it was, you know, and, and then it was, it was kind of, a bit mundane when we when we were recording it, and then it um, moves up a, a key, which is kind of like the Dusty Springfield sort of sort of a preacher man sort mm -hmm. of vibe, which I thought was kind of cool of Dave to to throw that. Yeah, um, a lot of the writing was done in the studio. Yeah, yeah, new like, ideas and like stuff. Like say it was completely written in the studio, which mm -hmm. was cool because we never got to do anything like that. And you kind of do get that loose vibe uh, throughout it, right? It, it, it totally yeah, we works. were learning the song as we went. That was completely foreign to us playing yeah. a song of that style, right? 
Hey, you think awesome. double time freaks me out. <laughs> He's got half it down. He's half it down. <laughs> there we go. A bit slower. Uh, little Neon Limelight, Little Neon Limelight, uh, a fantastic record. Congratulations, guys. Uh, Thank you. And, and we'll see you on the third record when you're doing your, uh, your synth and electro beats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt's hair will be like blue then. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, it's back to 2013. Uh, this time, speaking with Houndmouth during a, an episode of The Set List, which, is a, uh, which was a, a TV series that I did on Wave 3, the NBC affiliate here in, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this is when we just talked about their, uh, their banner year behind their debut LP and getting prepped for uh, two sold-out shows in their hometown here of Louisville. So it's part five of Kyle Meredith with Houndmouth. You. Congratulations, two sold-out nights at Headliners, November 29th and 30th. Uh, that's got to feel good. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I can see it in all of your it's, faces, too. <laughs> well, it's great to do it last year. Yeah. It was just one night, and now we're doing two. Uh, and, and moving right through, From the Hills Below the City is the, uh, the debut album, and what, you're about a year into this one now? Is that right? Um, Not quite. J- June. Yeah. Well, I guess it's because the EP came out beforehand. Yeah, right. uh, it, it feels a lot longer here than it probably does for the rest of the country. Uh, so what's been going on, though? You guys have been nonstop on tour this whole year. i got to imagine that's kind of like a big lifestyle adjustment. I mean, is it? Yeah. Um, you get a lot closer with, the, uh, <laughs> with your bandmates. We're in a van a lot yeah. together. Yeah, well, it's, it's the whole back and forth, I guess, because it's not like you guys are three months out or something like that. I mean, it's, it's go out for two weeks and then come back home for two weeks and go back out. Yeah, as, as, as opposed to staying home for your entire life. Right, yeah. well, yeah. but th- is there something to that? Because that's kind of like that big adjustment every single time. Yeah, it's nice. I mean, I never thought that I would leave Indiana Technically, you know, yeah. I thought I was gonna just be around here hanging around. We've gone out of the country. We've gone to Europe a few times. That was nice um, Get to see things. Do they treat live. you differently uh, the music over there for you guys? Oh, yeah Because I know different genres are mm-hmm. kind of treated even differently in Europe But for for you guys, I mean that's the, the you know, I know to them It's the great romantic American sound for mm-hmm. something like Houndmouth is playing. Yeah, London. It's like uh, they love guitar solos and France didn't take too well because we're not like a production, we don't put on a show like um, uh, Crazy Lights, like right. Miley Cyrus or anything, you know. And I don't think they like that. They <laughs> well, they, was, they want to see a show. Over yeah. there. there was yeah. a good response, but it was after the fact. They kind of just sat there with their arms crossed and judged, judged, right? And, and after a song, they were like, oh, well, it's a golf clap. So what's going on right now uh, with this new video? Because you're shooting one, or you're having other people shoot your videos. What what is this idea? It's like a, a contest idea. We have other people submit videos. This is like the ultimate like broke bands way of getting a brand new video for free. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I don't know who's paying it. I think it's four thousand dollars. I don't know. Oh who's. so there is a prize. Like there's you just don't take it or anything. Yeah. 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 You get your time at home and I have to imagine you're working on the next album already. Uh, we've been writing a lot. Yeah. Either on the road or by ourselves or whenever we get time. So we worked up some songs when we get some time off. But yeah, yeah we assume to be recording in December, January. Well, guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Looking forward to the show. Once again, Houndmouth, uh, 29th and 30th at Headliners. It is sold out. So I'm sure if you get out there and beg and yell, maybe you can get in. But otherwise, you're going to have to read the set list tomorrow. And our last stop, uh, once again, in 2013 for this one. Uh, this time, talking with Houndmouth about a, uh, them being a, a, a near-literal overnight sensation, especially in their home area here. Uh, the quartet were getting uh, mass amounts of web buzz mere moments after posting their first demos. Uh, we talked about them uh, going on tour uh, with everyone from Alabama Shakes and Grace Potter. 
And this was all shot backstage at Willie Nelson's ranch during the uh, Heartbreaker Banquet. And you hear about their uh, their debut LP, uh, Overcoming Comparisons, uh, A Year in the Spotlight, and getting a beer named after them too, part six of Kyle Meredith with Houndmouth. Uh, and here we are in this uh, cactus laden, we're, we're at Willie Nelson's ranch, guys. Who'd have thought? This is what your, this is what your, your tour does for you. It, uh, I imagine it puts you in places like this all the time, actually. Oh, yeah, every only, day. Only yeah. the prettiest of places. <laughs> only the prettiest. <laughs> well, it is. You, you guys are like the great study, like a, a National Geographic documentary right now of Band on the Rise. That old silly cliche term. But it's fun because right now you kind of get to see you guys learning on the job which is probably, I'm guessing, what it feels like. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Never know what we're doing, really. Definitely learning as we go. Yeah. Yeah. But you can put out, uh, you guys have been the undercards for some great bands so far. Backing up, you released an EP last year, and you've been a band at this point now for a little over a year and a half, or about, about a year and a half, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a nice whirlwind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's no that's pressure at quickly, all. I think. Yeah. yeah. So what happens, though? You release the EP, it, it comes out. This is after a bit of an internet buzz. Why don't you guys actually tell us the, the quick story? Uh, uh, well, we, I recorded some songs that we all did in my house, just in my, on my MacBook, little Pro Tools rig, and put it up online, and got a little blog buzz, yeah. and came down to South by Southwest last year. J Jeff Travis saw us. Jeff Travis from Rough Trade saw us. Uh -huh. Talked with them for a little bit, and they decided to put out the EP. Yeah, it's crazy. So you guys get, you go to Rough Trade, the EP goes out, and suddenly the comparisons start rolling in. And a lot of bands get compared to a lot of artists, but do you guys find it trying? Because you definitely had your, you wear your influences on your sleeves. You know, this isn't who's your influence question. You wear them on your sleeves, but when it comes review after review of sounds like, sounds like, sounds like, does that get a bit trying when you're really trying to forge your own little mark? I think so, especially like like we got like Mumford and some comparisons and like. <laughs> That's lazy journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like we don't have a single acoustic instrument right. in our band. Right. So how do you overcome that? Because you know, here you guys are working on a new record. How, how, what part of it do you guys say? Listen, we can, you know, we can salute our heroes, whatever it is. Or now we have to try to get away from it. I don't think being compared is a bad thing necessarily. Like, because yeah. if people dig A, they're gonna. Hopefully, Dick B too. So I mean, right. like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. yeah we're not like trying to sound yeah. like another band, yeah. so we just have to try and sound like what we sound like. You know? Yeah. Well, it's a perfect time actually for you guys to be sounding like whatever you sound like. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you know. I mean, the pendulum of, of rock and roll usually swings with you know whatever's you know whatever sound. But we've hit this stride in the last couple of years where it's this rootsy sound that's coming out. I mean. I, I don't know really what the question is here because I don't think you guys have, could have projected that. It's not like you guys, it, it doesn't seem like you guys went into it and went. Right, yeah, uh, it's not yeah. like we picked a niche to get into. I think we all, we, I mean, we've all listened to the same stuff growing up and, right. and it kind of came together like it just came together, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. pretty natural. So from the, uh, the few new tracks I've heard, you guys have been doing it live and everything. The sound actually does sound a little bit bigger whatever that is, even a little bit, we're not going to say pop, but a little bit poppier than, than that basic root sound. Is that from being out on the road and being on tour with whoever he is? Is that from the stuff you listen to? Or is that just from this natural thing where you guys are going, all right, we did that sound, what's next? I think the, uh, like, the, are you talking about the EP? Like the sound yeah, versus the EP, right. Yeah, the EP was just really lo-fi, like we couldn't make it sound any bigger. With, hey the mics no, that we, <laughs> with the mics and stuff that we had. I mean, we liked the way it sounded, absolutely. But 
Yeah. I think our live show is just louder now. I think the, I think the sound guys are getting more accustomed to running sound for us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we're playing better venues still. That's sound. helpful. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah. Like, yeah. my God, when we were... What is it? Play the place in New Orleans and we had to do our own sound. Like I was sitting right by this little oh, lunchbox thing and yeah. I was like, can you guys hear everything? And yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know. Yeah. There was three mics, so I, I just like, I'll sit out. Oh, got it. <laughs> yeah, they asked Brittany Howard, actually, the Alabama Shakes you guys toured with, what was the biggest difference and everything? She goes, well, we have monitors now. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> You know, it's 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 judging your uh, your, your accomplishments in, in little yeah. small increments. It's funny how much better you can sound than you actually know what the hell it is that you sound like. Yeah. <laughs> so so once again, here you are a year into it. Is this what you guys signed up for? Are are you figuring out that this is exactly what you wanted? I don't think any of us really like like this isn't what we went in. We didn't start playing to do this. I don't think. Right. Really. We started playing just because we really enjoyed it, and then sure. it, it took off very quickly for us. And, yeah, well, it's, I mean, we I wouldn't didn't trade really it for the world. Anything. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't know what to expect. So this is cool. But I guess it's it's more like who doesn't want to be a rock star? Who doesn't have those dreams? Of like, man, if I can just make the living at this, you know? Right, right. It's I mean, it's great looking at it like that, but like when you're in it, it's kind of you don't realize like yeah. what's going on. Like, right. Uh, yeah. 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 We still like carry all of our own stuff and like yeah. it's not, it's not sure. Well, well, yeah, so far, carry your stuff. <laughs> most, most of us carry our own stuff. <laughs> oh man! Princess. And what is it? But but the, the the cool things keep happening. You guys come back home and you had a beer named after you. <laughs> now home is Southern Indiana, right across the river from Louisville. Mm -hmm. We do this, of course. But uh, you come. What's what's this beer? What is this? Uh, it's called Houndmouth. It's a. Uh, uh, Wheat ale, um, hoppy wheat. Hoppy wheat. Yes. Hoppy nice. wheat. You gotta come. Does it taste it. good? Yeah. It tastes great. <laughs> Do you guys get to uh, taste it before they put your name on it? We. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, well, we no. were involved in like in like how we wanted it to taste. Like we, yeah. we kind of sat down with them. We we're like we we want it to be like this kind of beer, and so they were like okay, and then. Well, they're great over there, so they knew we, yeah. what we were talking about, even though we don't. Well, it's really nice that you guys can even agree on one taste. I mean, that's... Well, that's well I, why I hate beer, so yeah. I didn't have a uh -huh. say at all. <laughs> but yeah, whatever. He endorses the beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And that's uh, NABC, by the way. <laughs> I like beer as long as it tastes like whiskey. That's it. <laughs> as long as it tastes like whiskey. Houndmouth, uh, when's the record coming out? When's the uh, next record coming out? Do you guys got a date yet? June, June, June 4th. Yeah, June 4th. All right, we'll be looking forward to it. Uh, has it got a title, another self-title? What is it? From the hills below the city. All right, we're looking forward to it out on Rough Trade. Houndmouth, thank you guys for stopping by. Thanks for having me. Willie Nelson's Ranch, Heartbreaker Banquets. And that's where we wrap this in. Honestly, I think that's every single Houndmouth interview I've done except the very, very first one, which uh, I'm going to have to find one of these days. I know I've got it around here somewhere, but it was also one of their very, very first interviews ever. So it's uh, it's a very young band. We'll look that one up. But I think this is enough to, uh, to do the trick uh, for today. Uh, so thanks to Houndmouth. The brand new record is called Good For You. Thanks to you as well for checking out this episode and bless you for making it all the way to the end. Uh, please do hit that subscribe button. Again, three new interviews every single week at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots. Uh, that's, uh, that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith, over on TikTok at Kyle M. Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.